0: intent and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue thanks for listening
1: hello everyone welcome back to sunny side up i'm your host mark bedard today i'm super excited to talk to byron workman that's right byron workman over at workfront on how to attract top tier sdr talent Byron has over 17 years of experience as a sales professional and people leader at enterprise software companies with solutions serving the portfolio, program, product, project, and work management disciplines. He has eight years of experience leading digital sales and inside sales teams. During his time as a sales leader, Byron has led over 240 reps and sales leaders to grow or launch their careers in sales and sales leadership. He's incredibly passionate. I've talked to him a lot about being a part of the evolution of leadership inside sales and sales development. Byron, really excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Mark. I'm really happy to be here. This is great. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about this stuff, but I love you. This is your line. I'm actually going to pull it from you. You always like to start with the why. So tell us the why, Byron. Like, Why does this topic matter?
0: Yeah, no problem. So When I first started in sales leadership, I had a really small team. I was was telling you, Mark, I was actually the first salesperson globally. So I was director of global sales of a team of one. And, uh, you know, we we didn't grow very much in the first two years that I was in sales. And so I, I never experienced the need to really think about growing or finding top talent or in the interview process or how to ask the right types of questions or what is a good type of question. But when I went to Workfront and started out as a DSR digital sales, but most people call them SDRs, but anyway, an an SDR manager, we had a lot of turnover, positive turnover. People would come and they get promoted to being in sales. In fact, Topo, they're an analyst firm, mentioned that the average life cycle of a DSR is about a year before they move on to another company or move into a sales position or leadership position. And so I, I found myself thinking about how we could grow our group to be better and better while we had people coming and going. And I found very quickly after I had to do my first you know, three or four hires, because we interviewed as a team, three or four hires, like how difficult it was to know how to get the best talent and how the talent was really going to help you out. And so over, over the years, I read different books and try to learn how to be a better salesperson and a better interviewer. And really, came across a couple of, of uh, comments that I guess you could say shook my world, or whatever. <laughs> really defined, defined my leadership, as a better way of putting it, I guess. There it is. Yeah. yeah. And and so uh, Trish Bertuzzi, in one of her of the first books that I read in this particular industry was called uh, the Sales Development Playbook, and in there she spends maybe a chapter or two really challenging you as a, a, a leader of sales development reps to hire the right people and how critical it was to hire the right people for your company. We're providing future leaders and sales leaders. We're providing future AEs. I need to make President's Club. And so if a company like Workfront, that's where I was working, can uh, find that talent and develop it, they're going to have better and better people in their program, You know, hitting more and more quota, more and more revenue. And so that, that was really one of the first things I did. And I kind of got lost in uh, what is a good hiring interview and what questions you should ask and things like that. And I found our group has been able to really build on the, the shoulders of the people before us by focusing on who do we bring in and uh, what they can provide for our company.
1: This is uh, such a, I think, a universal topic, right? And it does span outside of certainly sales and SDR from the context that you're describing it by. and obviously people you know, in, in management positions and leadership positions hiring in individuals to the company. The goal, obviously, is for those people to move into management at some level. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's really universal. We've been talking about a lot of uh, sales-specific and you know SDR-specific topics and things of that nature. But I'd love to understand more, more as it relates to like the SDR realm and, and what, what happened, I guess, in your journey. Like Normally, we ask for a framework and things like that, but maybe it makes sense just to start with the story. Like, uh,
0: how did it work for you? yeah when i it really was because I didn't know what questions to ask in an interview <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and and, uh, and even what types of interview you should do. I mean, I didn't have formal training in that area, and our group was very much, uh, let's just see what we can bring and figure out how this works. And so I, I had to look externally and figure out like, what are people doing and why do people care about this, and what are the different ways of looking at things? And at the time, too, I was trying to build my network. I know that doesn't seem related, but they really were related. And you'll see why in a little bit, hopefully, in this podcast. <clears> but um, so I had this attitude of I'm going to go find and build relationships with people uh, that are thought leaders and can provide some guidance or direction to what I should accomplish. Read a couple of books on um, hiring the best people and you know what questions to ask and hiring for attitude and things like that. And really found out that it had more to do with behavioral type interview questions And so I I approached it as a salesperson would approach it, not really as an HR person would approach it. And and, uh, that, I think, was the biggest difference. In my time as a sales professional before then, I knew things like target buying profiles, uh, identifying the best companies to work from. I think the common term in uh, the SDR world is the ideal customer profile. And so I knew I had to figure out who is the best type of profile that we should be going after. Or um, you might call it personas if you were in a sales role. So I knew how critical <laughs> it was, right, to know what that person looked like. And then uh, – You're, you're, you're you know, ICPing your buyer. All right. That's right. <laughs> okay,
1: got
0: it. Sales is the greatest profession because you can apply it anywhere. Is how I think about <laughs> it. But uh, that's what I did. It's like, all right, well, what would I go about if I was a product manager? Um, that's people I sold to, so i was familiar with the lingo. What would I go about doing and identifying this persona or the ideal customer buyer so I could go after? I spent some time working on that. And then after, and we can talk more about that if you'd like, but the the next part after we had an idea of who we were going after was about creating a groundswell and a a cultural movement to really care about going after those people and attracting that top talent. And those two things are really what got my journey going.
1: Got it. So you're definitely approaching this from a sales lens. So as a, as a fellow sales guy myself you're you're understanding your ICP, you're trying to understand who your target buyers are, right? Your target hirees. And then you're trying to develop an activation plan toward it, right? How am I going to engage these people? How am I going to find them? I love both those topics. I want to learn about more. Like, talk to me about the ICP piece first. Like, what did you find?
0: Yeah, that, that was tough. It took a lot of groundwork on my part and the other leaders that I was working with. And that, I think that's the first key. If you're really trying to do an organizational change or be a change leader within your group, you're going to have to take a lot of personal responsibility and a lot of the take the punches yourself as you guys go through and learn new things. So I'm going to talk about some of the things that might sound like a lot, but realize I did it once and then I've used it for hundreds of people after that. So it was a well worth investment in time and effort on our space in the sales development world, you know you're going to be hiring more people if you stay in the same company for any amount of time and you got to focus on this. So yes, I started off and saying, is there, should I go off of work experience or attributes? And that was a, a core question that I had to ask. Like at certain times, when I think back on uh, companies that I would talked with or even work for at certain points, I wasn't sure how well they could actually train and develop DSRs. And if you're not in a group that can offer you the support to train your DSRs, You really do need to lean more toward work experience, knowing that they're going to have to rely on the things that they've done in the past. Whereas, if we have a group that has a lot more capability on creating a culture that trains and shares best practices, or has an enablement team, like a dedicated enablement team to help your team members grow and develop, work experience becomes less important. And so, that was the first call I had to make: is that the just from work? Do we focus on asking questions in the interviews based on what they've done in the past? Or do we focus asking questions on their capabilities or attributes? And we had found out that it was attributes and we wanted to have an area where we were known for developing people and helping them move forward in their careers, which we are. And so we, we knew that it was way more important for the attribute part. So that was the, the first thing in ICP is we don't care as much about work experience as we care about the attributes of the person. And then- excellent,
1: Yeah. What, what, what kind of attributes? Just curious. I mean, what were you really looking for?
0: You know, that, that was one thing I wanted to bring up, Mark. It changed over time. And that that sounds weird at first, like, well, they're attributes. Why should they change? And because they weren't like core attributes of the person. They were more of like how they express those attributes. And so, of course, you in in this world, some sort of work ethic was an attribute that we knew we had to do. You can make up for talent really well in this role uh with just grit or effort or drive. Yeah. And so we knew that was going to be a core part of what we did. And we also found out that people who invested in themselves and try to grow in their talent and their abilities were someone that we needed. We call, you could call it coachability or that they have a, a learning mentality, you know those type of things. And then we also found out that we needed people who were achievers or, or people that are focusing on setting goals and accomplishing those goals. We have a coaching culture. We wanted to have a coaching culture. And so, it was It was necessary for us to find people who liked that, who wanted regular feedback from their managers, who wanted to set goals, who wanted to be challenged and to grow and, and develop. So, those are just some examples that we found. But I think there's a couple of things critically to do yourself in determining those attributes. So, just like you would if you were doing a, um, a persona for somebody, you go out and you, and you talk with the stakeholders, those people that are most involved in it, Right. And so my number one stakeholder if I want to have attract top talent is that talent wants to be promoted. So I went and talked to those people who were promoting my talent. And that's kind of a weird way of thinking about it. So I went and talked to the AE directors, the account executive directors. I went and talked to my VP and other sales development leaders in the industry that might promote them to leadership. And I asked them what they think makes a successful account executive. What attributes do they see in their team members who are the most successful? And so they would look at people in our company who were successful in that role, and then they shared what they thought were common attributes. And gathering that from five or six people, you can imagine they're all different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but they did start to create a picture of what was most important. And And then I guess from, from that perspective, so we had common sense of what I thought was important. You can't get rid of your own bias. So what I thought was important. And then we had what our stakeholders thought were important. And then I went and looked at a bunch of websites. HubSpot has some great um, blogs that I enjoy. They're really quick and to the point. And uh, they had some like interview attributes and questions that you could ask. And a couple of thought leaders out there had posts about what makes a good DSR a good DSR. But um, we wanted to put a little bit more science into it. And so around the time that I was doing these things, uh, Justin Hyatt, our VP of account development, our digital sales that now came and joined our company and uh, brought with him that level of uh, science behind it. He'd done some things at Oracle and HubSpot where he had already identified himself. It took me a while to get there, but he already had that. It was behavioral-based questions and attribute-based questions that you really needed to do. And so he he brought in a company called JourneyFront to help us out with our understanding which attributes are the most important. And there, there's ways you could do it without a solution like that. So I, I hope you can separate a little bit and look at the principles but what what they did is they said, "All right, here is a list of all the people that uh, all the sales development reps that you've had, and then you rank them by performance. Which which ones are my top performers, bottom performers? Maybe a one to a hundred or whatever you might do, and then even include people who've previously been in that role, so their future AEs or things like that, and rank them on the performance. So you have an idea of how well each person does, and then they gave an assessment to each person in there to try to identify attributes that that person had." And so what you end up doing is seeing some sort of a chart where it had performance versus the um, attribute. And you could see that people who, in our case, who are coachable, had really high performance and they had that coachability attribute really strong. So those were the ones that we wanted to interview for. And so we asked our questions based off of, of those attributes. Mm. Interesting. I,
1: and you said ch- these attributes are changing over time?
0: Yeah, like, it really? was a long time. You know, I'm, I'm talking um, two or three years. So it wasn't immediate. Yeah. And I think it was because people just build upon each other. Like right now, one of their top attributes that we're finding is uh, leadership. Digital sales reps who have an appetite for developing themselves as leaders perform better. And I think it's because culturally, we've hired a bunch of people to become, uh, to go from a DSR to a leader. And then they enjoy the things that we're doing from a leadership perspective. And so like they're attract we're att- we're naturally growing and developing those attributes over time. So, It's very interesting. I mean, it, it's not, I don't
1: want to say it's not rocket science, right? But it's, it's, I think, breaking it down into those two things, the attributes, you know, from a behavioral perspective, as well as like a, a skill set perspective, that's like, they get meshed so often, right? Like we're, we're in interviews and you know, it's like, well, you know, technically they've got the chops behaviorally, maybe not. You know, it's not really like it's kind of a whole package scenario. And I'm sure to some degree you still had to look at every uh, DSR as it relates to the whole package, right? You can't have a hundred of, of one thing and zero of another, right? You were looking for some level of balance. But yeah. really for you guys, it was definitely like maybe an 80-20 where you're like, now, oh, like this, these are the behaviors that, that I'm really looking for. These are the attributes that this person needs to innately have.
0: Yeah, that's true. And in a lot of ways, it was a little bit of a pass-fell for us. Um, in our interview process, we'd have our recruiter screen for like uh, just general fit, like, like you would normally have them do. And they would look at things like work experience and compensation and make sure they were going to be a good fit. And then our manager would take the first interview and review, ask questions having to do with all of these different, we only had three, so like three different attributes that we would ask questions on to get an idea, does this manager think, I know I only had 30 minutes to talk to him, but we think they probably have these attributes. And then this is the crazy stuff that I love what Justin has done for us in the culturally. We had every one of our managers interview this person in panels. We have eight managers at the time. And yes. each, each manager would become a specialist in an attribute. And their panel would only ask questions related to that attribute. And when we started to ask person after person after person, these same attributes, we were able to determine this is an A answer, this is a B answer, this is a C answer, and really start to rate people on things like coachability, which is really hard to rate somebody on. Wow. Yeah. And and so with that, we um, then it became a matter of did they pass or fail? If any one of our managers said, no, nope, I don't think they have this attribute, we didn't hire them. But when the people if we had a group of people that did have those core attributes, then we would start the discussion on that that extra thing you're talking about that they might have more of or more experience or something like that.
1: That's amazing. And 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 a lot of the viewers might not know about workfront and, and the SDR process there and and how well regarded it is in the industry but you know being being in the industry for for 10 years myself uh i can't say enough good things of, of what i've heard what i've seen or as it relates to the process so what you're talking about byron is is obviously best in class i mean this is top notch and obviously understanding now the uh the rigor that you guys put put these young bucks through is um There's no surprise why you've got when you've attracted a lot of great talent and picked great talent as well.
0: Oh, thank you, appreciate that. And all of those things were just to try to figure out who we should go after (laughs) (laughs) just finding your buyer, the old ICP. And we we really narrowed it down to two areas. Uh, one of them was a college grad, it just somebody right out of college, maybe um, an athlete because you know we wanted that achiever mentality, so probably an athlete. Or somebody who already had a desire in sales or marketing—that was kind of our sweet spot. And the other half—and the other half was re- really difficult to approach. But it, it was uh, people who wanted to get into our type of sales. So maybe they were insurance salespeople for ten years, or they were—they um, sold software somewhere else, but it was really transactional. Like um, you know, you call someone once, and then you're able to close the deal. And they wanted to get into a um, a company that was growing and promoting, and then also a company where the type of sell required complex selling. And the the, nice thing about complex sells is you get paid more money.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It's way
0: more fun, too. You end up talking to some of the greatest leaders in the world and trying to sell your product to them. And so we were looking for those types of people, either somebody who was really fresh out of college and had those, those core attributes, or somebody who was trying to get into our type of sell. And we took a different approach in how we went about creating a a culture to go after those people and help them feel like they could be a part of our group.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the culture piece. Because obviously the ICP front, that sounds like a machine. I mean, it really sounds like you guys dialed the process in. And I think there's a lot of learnings that we can all take from that. But I know it's not just that from having talked to you before. There's this whole internal culture and, and driving this coalition if you will, like, what, mm-hmm. what is that all about? Like help, help the viewers understand that.
0: Yeah, sure. You know, this, remember I said something about how I was also trying to build my network at the time, Yeah. that this is where it comes into play. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this was really about, I don't know, four months before Justin Hyatt came into our group. So at the time I was like, well, what am I going to do with myself? Where, where's this career going? I've been in enterprise sales for years before, and now I'm an SDR leader and I'm going to, am I going to stay as an SDR leader? Does that really matter? So I was a little bit lost. Okay, Mark. <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's all good. We're all, we've all been there. That's right. And so I was like, well, one thing's for sure. I want more opportunities. I'm going to go find out who all's doing what in the industry. There it is. And and that, that looking externally started to open up the doors for us quite a bit. I I started to um, connect with thought leaders and that connecting with thought leaders creates a little bit of momentum in the, and credibility in the things that I was doing. And at the time, um, so I I graduated from BYU here in Provo area. Uh, I live in Lehigh. And uh, at BYU, they sent out this notice saying, hey, we're having this um, marketing club meeting uh, to kick off the marketing year. And I'm not sure if they thought I was a a student still or (laughs) (laughs) if I knew I was an alumni. So I said, well, they technically sent me the invite. So I'm going to (laughs) go. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I, I just showed up. You know, no one no one knew I was there. No one gave me permission to be there. I <laughs> showed up and I said, you know what? I care about what you guys are doing. I think your program is is amazing. You want to grow talent in the marketing and sales world. So do I. Yeah, maybe it was for recruiting in the back of my mind. That's how I justified it. But it was sure. really because I wanted that network, right? And so when I was there, I um I built relationships with like the class president of um the sales club and things like that, very grassroots, very low cost. And then they, um, a- after I had that relationship, I went back to my uh, team. And this is, I think, a key part. And I shared my excitement with them. The students were really excited about working for a company like Workfront. And they really thought that it would be fun to be able to get promoted into enterprise sales. The students valued the opportunity that we had. And they loved what we talked about in our, in our company. And so I told my other managers, I told other uh, individual reps, and create a little bit of excitement with that, and then, mm. and then with that excitement, you know, they they invited me to come back and uh, talk to their whole group, and present to their whole group on why enterprise sales is important, why software sales is, is a, a great career. So, of course, yeah. that's a fun topic to a group of like 40 or 50 students, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and I, I don't know why we did it, but what we ended up doing is, you know, what would be a really fun thing to do is to create a video for these students where we invited other leaders who have been in the industry for a while to share 30 seconds on uh, why they like being in sales. And that's, I think, was when it really kicked off for us because people started to see the excitement in. Uh, you know, our CEO, he was in sales, Alex Schutman, and he he talked about why a career in sales was so valuable to him. And then some of these other thought leaders that I had made relationships with said, oh, sure, Byron, I'll give you 40 seconds of a video. And as so I put that together. So we ended up getting about 20 different people put together in this video that we shared with with the group, creating a ton of excitement. And then from there, it just started to snowball all of these little things that we could do with them. Maybe it was a, a project that one of their sales classes had, or it was uh, we, we sponsored their competition for their sales team. And every time that that happened, I needed help. I couldn't do it myself and I couldn't do it with just Justin who had joined at this time. And so we needed additional people to help us out and had a group of SDRs really excited about bringing top talent into their group and sharing why Workfront was so special to them or why sales was so special to them. And so they started to come with us.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, You know, the, the kids, it's funny too. And back in college, you, know, you don't realize... Uh, how much, like what kind of education is, is really valuable and what isn't. But you know, one of the things that stood out from what you're saying there, Byron, is 30 seconds of, of Alex Schutman giving you his uh, experience. I I think people have paid a lot of money for, for 30 seconds of that man's time. So it's pretty funny.
0: You guys are handing it out, doling it out. I don't know if, you know, if they always realize. So awesome. Yeah, that's right. And, And then, um, So around this time, because we're talking about how do you make it a cultural part, all the excitement and the energy and the fun that was around it was very contagious. So people in our group wanted to be a part of what we did. And that's when I tried to, um, not just me, I I say I, anytime I say I for now on, it's me and my team, okay? (laughs) That's all good. It's your podcast, Pirate. I I did everything, right? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. So we, um, at, at the same time, we wanted to apply John Cotter. He's probably my favorite organizational behavior type um, thought leader. He's my favorite because he was my first uh, in in school. And he had his eight steps to change. That, and I, so we tried to apply those things. We, we talked about the vision behind what we were trying to do. Justin created what we called the talent focus group that people could apply to join and, and kind of support our finding and developing talent, which was a pretty, it was prestigious. And it was also really fun to be in that because you could go to all these different events. And so we we talked about why it was so important to us, the vision of what we had with developing top talent. And then also, um, you know, uh, Cotter talks about a coalition of support, which I think is really key to something, any type of cultural initiative, but especially this one as well. Who was it that supported us? Like there was people that trusted me, Byron, as a person. So they were in my coalition of support. And then there were specific managers who I thought had more influence than others. I wanted to make sure I worked with them and help them feel like they were a part of it. And then other, um, we had some really great support outside of the sales development team where some AE directors participated. We had our uh, VP of product come and talk to students and work with them. But a couple of, um, one of our senior executives came and spoke as well. And so it became something like the support network to help us through what we were trying to accomplish and, and, overcoming any obstacles and get people really going. That's amazing. I mean, if, if you really go back to that sales
1: analogy, I mean, this is all, this is all part of your prospecting process, yeah. right? With these, yep. with these kids, right? It's, you're going in there, you're, you're educating them, you're helping them understand if there's a fit and allowing them to, you know, realize that over time, if there is or isn't right. But yep. that's amazing. It's a, it's a, a very elaborate process where I think a lot of people in the space it's hard, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's you know recruiting's difficult. The amount of effort that you guys put into this, and the amount of care that you guys did as relates to customizing and crafting this vision and, and the value prop, if you will, mm-hmm. to the to the students to be able to come and work with you guys is is really remarkable.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. You know one one thing too. There there's an underlining factor, the X factor that we couldn't really create, and I, I know I've, I've quoted a couple of books. Sorry, Mark, but, um, no, I, we're going to shout him out. I'm pretty sure. so <laughs> It's all good. So th- Daniel Pink wrote a book <laughs> called drive another core book for me and how I lead and manage teams. And in there, he says, people are motivated by three things, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And in autonomy, one of the parts of autonomy is your desire to control who you work with on a team or on a project or uh, those type of things. And so I think we were hitting on that core motivation factor where they were like, you know what, I want to work with great people who are better than me, who can drive our group together, who will make it so we have future opportunities in sales and in leadership. So I'm going to go out to this university and build these relationships and do these things and then convince them to work with us. And so once we started to get some people actually hired, and we we did, they were fantastic talent uh, that we were able to, to get to work for us when before we wouldn't have never gotten them the DSRs became very motivated on their quota, which right? mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. is again, you have to justify all this with some sort of ROI. Yeah, Top of down course. was one, but man, we had DSRs <laughs> who um, at, at the moment had been DSRs for about two years, which is starting to be where they've kind of mastered the role and they're really just waiting to see, can I be an AE at Workfront? or am I going to have to go somewhere else? And they stayed engaged with us because they love sharing about their experience they had as a DSR. With with Workfront, and so um, they were motivated and inspired to keep investing in themselves and keep being good and keep staying engaged, so that they could go to these different events and uh, kind of evangelize, if you will, what we were trying to accomplish.
1: It takes an incredibly strong culture, uh, and anyone working with SDRs, uh, you know, you're saying two year mark is, mm. you know, trying to get SDRs to continue to stay motivated, to continue to stay engaged through that time frame is is very challenging mm-hmm. so to have them come out the other end of two years and still be gun ho about it and still want to uh to talk and to work um with the company and, and not just using it as a stepping stone is is an accomplishment in and of itself and again the, the sdr folks listening to this are are gonna give us some big shout out to that because that is it's impressive it's hard to do yeah no thank
0: you i appreciate that
1: so this is uh, I mean this is awesome. obviously, a lot' we've, we've had a lot of folks in the viewership ask about SDR specific topics. This hits the nail on the head. You know we talked uh, a little bit about defining uh, or using ICP to define mm-hmm. really what the, the SDR persona is for the company, whether that be skill set related or, or behavior related. You recommended even a, a couple tools in, in trying to understand. Those attributes like journey JourneyFront, um, and then moving into what it takes to get that coalition together. Uh, you, you mentioned the coalition of support from, you know, John Cotters principles there, referencing you know Daniel Pink's book, their drive, getting all of those. Decision makers and those leaders together on one mission and one vision to what the group is going to be and and how how to make wins out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think is awesome. Is there any like takeaway that you want to leave the audience with? I'm going to ask a couple a couple things after too, Byron. But is there any takeaway as it relates to the topic that we've we've chatted about? You know, bringing on exceptional SDR talent and building that that SDR engine internally that, that you want to leave the audience with. We try to make it something tactical or something tangible that we can leave them with.
0: Yeah. I like to look for principles that you can apply to multiple different disciplines. Like you mentioned before, I've worked with portfolio and program and product and marketing and in IT. And one thing I've seen is there's fundamental principles in how people work and how people accomplish things. So when you're going about trying to find top talent, if you're, if you're in a DSR type group or a sales role, you have the core skills to do that from your sales experience. And if you can apply that sales experience to trying to get that goal of building top talent, you'll do crazy things like making a sales navigator uh, list of people that are in your, <laughs> your companies you want to go for, or at universities that you could connect with and send messages to, and maybe make a phone call or two. And, and oh, like, I love it. You know, I, that what I think is the key takeaway is just kind of think about this as one of my core jobs as a sales leader is to find top talent. It is, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So apply your, your skills that you have to that in being more uh, the sales principles to that.
1: Don't stray away from what you are. You know, you can't. You can't put. A, you can't be a sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So yep. use your skills, sales skills that you've learned if, if that's the role you're in, right? Yep. Um, that's excellent, man. So we always ask. We always ask on the podcast, you know, sunny side up, to to give some shout outs to you know who who do you recommend? We call it you know getting them egged, right? So you want to egg a couple people for us, Byron? Who, who would you egg?
0: Well, the first one would be a, a fellow sales development director, uh, Jordan Sheffer. And I first uh, met Jordan Sheffer when he was one of our SDRs at Workfront and he got promoted from our inside group to our outside group and then to management. And then he left Workfront to go work for uh, another great software company here in the Utah Valley called Instructure as one of their directors and then he moves around being director to director. And the reason why I'm calling him out is uh, just besides the personal relationship I have with him, Jordan really tried to support me through all of this recruiting efforts externally. He really started getting involved with me this way when he wasn't even at Workfront in trying to start like a professional association or to get some groundswell where people started caring about sharing best practices across companies. And so I think he'd be a great one for you guys to reach out to. And the audience would really yeah. appreciate his his insights.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, hundred percent.
0: And then and then the other one is a uh, Steve Richard. He's the founder of Exec Vision, one of the great uh, coaches. I think uh, in our group, Exec Vision is software that allows you to do call coaching. And so when we used that in our group at one point, he came in and taught us some things about how to be a good coach and to give great coaching. And he has really good content on his LinkedIn profile all the time that I think. Again, he would have a ton he could say really about any subject, but especially if you guys wanted to get into how to be a great coach to your team, he would be someone phenomenal to bring in.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I've known Steve uh, for years and, and certainly a lot of leaders out there know Steve very well. So yeah, I'm surprised we haven't actually had him on yet. So that's a great shout out. I, we'll, be, we'll be sure to get him on. Okay. Sounds He's good. On- <laughs> Absolutely, man. Oh, that's excellent. I love it. Byron, this has been an absolute pleasure, as always with you, my friend. Is How can people get connected with you after the podcast? Is there a best best way to reach
0: out to you? Uh, LinkedIn. It's just uh, linkedin.com slash in slash Byron Workman. I'm pretty active there. You can send me a message or connect with me and or just jump on some conversation I'm having. You can also email me and stuff, but more than likely, uh, LinkedIn will get you more visibility. I love it. Byron,
1: it's a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming on Sunnyside Up. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks again, Mark.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.